This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. Welcome, Racer Nation, to episode 15 of the Racer Nation podcast. My name is Sawyer Lawson. So excited to be back uh, joining the podcast on the podcast airwaves with Austin Blakely and Logan Foster. Uh, guys, so thankful to be back. You guys had a tremendous episode last week. Uh, it was so much fun to listen to. Um, but, you know, we have major news that we want to get to to start off this podcast. Um, we're recording um, this Tuesday night, um, and we had some information that we wanted to, to get out to you guys uh, because we think this week could be a really fun week and a major week um, for the rest of Racer Athletics for a long, long time into the future. So, Austin and Logan, how are you guys doing? And let's jump into it. Doing good, man. Glad to have you back. And as you alluded to, excited to talk about these uh, big announcements that we've got in Racer Nation. You know, up until today, we thought that we were going to have a, a tough week with our games getting rescheduled. But uh, turns out we've actually got something to talk about. Hey, Sawyer. Glad to have you back on this episode. And like you said, we've got some got some pretty pretty strong sources uh, telling us some stuff might happen this week. And um, it's kind of funny as we were talking about this episode, we didn't think it would, uh, it was going to be very long. And uh, we were talking about stuff we could do to fill up and we're still going to get to that stuff with a saw selection and, and some different other different things. But uh, to to start off this episode, we've got to get to it. So just to, to not keep anybody waiting any longer, we've got some pretty good information that we've heard from some of our sources. And like we said, this is Tuesday, uh, January the 4th. So we don't know if any of this is going to be released anytime soon or whatnot, but um, sounding like a special called Board of Regents meeting coming up uh, this Friday, which is January the 7th to discuss uh, some conference alignment news. And so don't know exactly what that means. What what we've heard is it's and it kind of fits with all the timing. And I mean, guys, if you've listened to this podcast from the beginning, we've been saying this since our very first episode that we've kind of had had the news on this, but didn't want to really come out and say it to get ourselves in hot water with the university or anything like this. But uh, I think we feel pretty confident about it now. But um, sounding like we have received an invite to the Missouri Valley Conference, at least in most all sports. Uh, we don't know really about football and where that fits in. And we can talk about that at a later date. But at least from the basketball side and other Olympic sports, looks like we have received an invite from the Missouri Valley Conference to be talked about uh, this Friday at a special called Board of Regents meeting. And fellas, that is some exciting news if you are a racer basketball fan. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we've heard rumors for the past you know, month that that midway point in December was going to be a big day. Um, is in regards to the Missouri Valley deciding who they would like to add as potential new um, expansion members, uh, expansion schools. Um, and today, you know, we got a couple texts. Um, even some people came and met with us face to face and told us that we've got some stuff that is coming down the pipeline. Um, and even further, uh, further sourced um, later on in the afternoon by some of even our listeners um, that let us know that um, big news is coming um, from the Missouri Valley. Um, and big news coming from Murray State. So uh, when you know those two things are paired together, it can only mean one result. And um, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, from what we like Austin said, what we've heard Friday morning is going to be a, a morning to watch um, as far as for the future of racer athletics um, and us joining the Missouri Valley Conference. So very exciting. So at least from a Board of Regents standpoint, I think that meetings 
those meetings are public since Murray State is a public university and they have to post the agendas and all that stuff. So if that is the case, which we're, we're pretty sure it is, be looking for an agenda within the next day or two. And, you know, obviously this podcast probably ain't going to go out till uh, Wednesday or Thursday, most likely just with our schedules and, uh, you know, this isn't our full time jobs. But uh, so something may already happen by the time you're listening to this podcast. But uh, since it is a public university, the agendas have to be posted. Uh, there's usually a stream for those meetings. And so I would expect you could probably go on the Board of Regents website and, and see see that uh, hopefully. And, you know, unless they go, they can enter a closed session uh, to, to talk about different things. But hopefully that's not the case. And and if that meeting does occur Friday morning, uh, we will all be able to watch it. And I'm sure there will be a lot of eyes tuned in on that. But guys, I want to, you know, something we got to think about, you know, getting the invitation is just one part of it. Um, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about how football fits in and uh, all sports. It's it's not going to be a cheap move for the racers and Murray State University as a whole. And as, as funding gets cut, as enrollments numbers across the entire nation decline, uh, the, the Board of Regents has a really, really big decision to make here because it's it's probably going to take a, a couple mil uh, from the from the athletic department, from the university, from the state to to make this move. So you know, Sawyer, you're the you're the banking man of the group. Uh, money's going to be a big issue here, and I just hope uh, you know, as as our friend Lindy Suter says, we got to think big here, and hopefully, you know, all of our folks on the border regions have that same mindset. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with this, Austin. You know, if if you want to make the jump to the Missouri Valley, you have to have the commitment there. And the time is now for racer athletics. Um, this is the moment in time where we can either look back and say, wow, we wish we wish we wish we really were able to join the Missouri Valley or we're so glad that we did. And it's going to be this moment in time where we look back and say, hey, this was the defining moment for racer athletics. And to be able to do that, you've got to have the commitment. Um, and I think that because this is the time to do it, I think the commitment is there, um, and I think it has to be there. Um, they've already put things in place. We've seen the master facilities plan. We've had a whole podcast about it. Um, and there's already been the, the 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 foreshadowing of this coming into play uh, for the past couple of years um, with massive amounts of money being raised over the past few years. Um, since uh, Kevin Saul's come in as the athletic director, um, the football fundraising has gone through the roof. Same with basketball. Um, and so – you know, this is one of those moments where the racers and the leadership have the opportunity to take us to the next level. And that's just part of it. What comes with it. Um, and <clears throat> I know there's been whispers of, of things that have happened in the past where we've been at a crossroads before and decisions weren't made because of financial strain, things of that nature. Um, but I think that this is one of those situations where you have to just dive in. Our leadership has the vision in place. If you have that in place, that's half the battle. That's that's the majority of the battle. Um, and and being able to, to see where you want to go, where where you want your vision to, to lead to, um, is the main main factor. Um, and just finding the dollars to fit that um, will will come a lot easier if you have the vision in hand, which we have. So I feel extremely excited about it. I think this is a an easy vote for the board of regents. I think it's going to be yes. Um, and so I'm really anxious to to see what happens. Um, but I'm also anxious to hear Logan's thoughts as well. Yeah, we've covered this in depth on um, previous podcasts, and I, in one of our uh, podcasts recently, I just said, please get us out of here. And so I wasn't thinking much about 
um, the logistics of how things were going like you guys did. Where my mind went was uh, actually a title for the episode whenever um, whenever I heard the news. And so I made a couple for myself. And I wanted to play on the OVC's new uh, tagline, you have to OVC it, and uh, which I think is pretty awful. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll leave that up to uh, other people's opinions. And it, it definitely is objective, but that's just my opinion. Um, so my first one was, we're going to OBC our way out. <laughs> I, I think that one has some legs. The, the second one is, OBC you later. And the <laughs> third one, which I really love, is, you love to NBC it. You love so to NBC that, it. that could be Austin. Yep, I'm taking maybe. notes. I'm taking okay. notes over here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but jokes aside, just really exciting times. It's something we've been... Uh, hoping for for years and it's only going to propel our university and athletics department forward um, with especially with all these other teams dropping out of the Ohio Valley uh, it's just going to put us in an exponentially better spot moving forward. Logan I think you uh, hit the nail on the head there and uh, I will definitely take all those into consideration. I usually have a tough time coming up with a title. So uh, I'm thank thankful that you helped me out with that. And so, you know, before we get back to, to the episode and get get us rolling here, you know, if, if news does drop on Friday, I think you guys can look forward to a, a special episode from us that you'll probably see sometime Friday afternoon or or Saturday morning, something like that. So uh, kind of get us off schedule of doing one a week. But if the Board of Regents does vote favorably, uh, I think you can expect a, a, a emergency podcast from us. So with that, guys, let's uh, let's get back to our regular scheduled programming and uh, keep rolling on with the episode. Yes, um, I just let one last thing. I just I hope that the rest of Missouri Valley is, is ready for it to turn into the, the the Murray Valley Conference, because once we get in there, we know that's what's going to happen is, is a takeover. Um, but yes, that's super exciting news. Um, we're super excited to share that with you all. Um, but yeah, let's jump back into our normally programmed episode. Um, we've got a long list of things we want to cover tonight, um, starting with a recap of our SEMO game. Um, also talk a little about a little bit about the Eastern Illinois game um, that was supposed to be played this Thursday night. Um, also the SIU game on Saturday. Um, we're going to have a really fun sauce selection topic that I think will be uh, really enjoyed by all, and we want to get you guys involved with that. Um, then we'll have the Logan's Listener of the Week um, and some quick programming re uh, reminders for some big stuff happening this weekend, too. So without further ado, um, let's jump into it. Sorry, we obviously missed you. Uh, the episode felt a little incomplete, and uh, so glad to have you back this week for sure. Wanted to ask you, you know, sorry, or Logan and I got to kind of talk about it after after we had Kenny on, but was there anything – in that episode that, you know, going back and listening to it that stood out to you that really hit home or a good point that uh, Kenny made. I think there was a lot of good stuff and a lot to digest. And uh, I think, uh, is it or what, was there anything that really stood out to you and all that? Yes, the two things that I enjoyed the most from Kenny, um, from a listening standpoint, you know, it is, it is interesting listening to it whenever you don't know what's about to happen next. It uh, was really fun to do. Um, and the two things that I love from Kenny were, were number one, it was this story about the LeBron chalk 
that was really cool. Um, and then number two was I loved his story about the assistant coaches uh, and how well they prepare for uh, our our position and what Mick Cronin had to do under coach Patino at Louisville. I thought that was really cool story. Like as a basketball geek, like we all are, that was a really cool story, but from a production level standpoint, there's two things that I also liked as well. Number one, (laughs) Logan does not talk enough. He needs to talk way more. You're way too good to be as quiet as you are. And number two, I could not believe you did homework for the episode. That blew me away. I was impressed. Very impressed. Uh, yeah, um, you guys are rubbing off on me a little bit, but I don't know. I think our listeners may disagree. They they like uh, the structure that you bring and, and Austin's professionalism. So I think you guys uh, should continue to handle the load. You just know you just knew you had to bring it last week with the big absence of Sawyer. So that's where the uh, <laughs> that's where all the homework came from. But you know, we talk about the homework for the podcast and the homework that the assistant coaches do, and we do a lot of homework on. Uh, prepping for our opponents and and one team that I think we really hit the nail on the head with was SEMO last week and that was our Thursday night game uh, the racers just absolutely blitzed the Red Hawks uh, 106 to 81 just not even a competition really the racers just rushed out to that first half start shooting 59% from the field, a whopping 61% from three. And how about this guys? 81% from the free throw line. That's all in the first half. And uh, stats kind of went down. Obviously they had to normalize a little bit in the second half, but still shoot 56% from the field, 48 from three and 76 from the free throw line. So Logan, one thing that you and I and Kenny talked about last week or a point that I'd mentioned is about starting the OVC season off strong. And, you know, you, you got to play who's, who's on the schedule, but making a statement out of your first game coming out of the conference and the racers, juice Hill, KJ Williams made an absolute statement in the first game. Oh, absolutely. And something we've touched on on previous podcasts was that we haven't had the the toughest schedule so far, but the teams we've played that are in the the bottom tier, we haven't played down to their level. We've actually, you know, controlled the game. And that was one thing that stuck out to me against SEMO is we seem to control the game the entire time. Yeah, exactly. That's That was my same point as well. From wire to wire, we were in control the whole game. It was really fun uh, to see that they're a really heavy guard-laden team. They have really talented guards, but our guards were a step ahead of them in every way all night long. And, you know, I think SEMO is a middle-of-the-pack OVC team. And if we can do that to them, we're going to do a lot worse to a lot of other teams. Um, as you saw on Saturday night, the only game in the OVC, SEMO knocked off Austin P by 20. Well, we knocked them off by 25. So what does that say for the rest of the OVC? Um, but, yeah, I was I was really pleased. You talk about SEMO's guards, and that's one thing in mid-major basketball, well, or you could even probably say low-major basketball when you're talking about that bottom half of the OVC, but guard play is so critical. And like you said, Sawyer, at least two of the guards they have are really solid. Eric Reed ends up with 20, uh, took them 14 shots. And also uh, Philip Russell, who's their freshman uh, out of St. Louis, is going to be really talented if he does stick around at SEMO. You know, they have a history of getting – Pretty decent freshman, but see them transfer out after their freshman year. But uh, Russell doesn't necessarily have the size, but uh, he still he has 15, but he goes three for 14 from the field. So uh, Juice and 
Trey and Tevin, whoever had him, they made it really difficult on him to to make shots. Uh, he does go eight for eight for the free throw line, which is fairly impressive. But uh, our guards, our players, our talent just looked to be in a completely different stratosphere that night. And from an offensive standpoint, it really made me feel good. As in the last episode, I talked about how this might be the uh, the best offensive team that I can remember the Racers having. And what do they do? Go out Thursday night and put up 106 against an OVC team. I don't have the stats in the past, but I'm going to say that's probably one of the highest point totals that we've put up against an OVC team in regulation in, in quite some time. But just from the onset, uh, Juice Hill, wow. You know, we talked about him for 20 minutes last episode about how he's really stepped into his role and really so much has improved from last year. And then he goes out and hits his first uh, what, four threes of the game before uh, missing one and just five threes, four or five, one of the two. But just an absolute dominant performance uh, in that first half. Pro- possibly one of the best halves of basketball uh, we've seen in a racial uniform in quite some time. Yeah, I think, Logan, what you were mentioning earlier, you know, as far as making a statement in the conference, Juice has truly did that last night. He's done it all season long, but whenever conference games came around, he made a statement early. They were sending two or three guys at him. He still threw it over the top of them and was nothing but the bottom of the net. So just seeing his confidence grow is so much fun to watch. We've said it all year. Uh, this team is just going to get better and better and more fun uh, to watch. you got to get to the bank to check them out. Um, and as we mentioned, I think two episodes ago, you know, we've been beating really good teams. So when we were playing the rest of the OVC, who's not going to be very good, we're going to absolutely demolish some teams. And so, especially with our guard play. So you saw the first preview of that on Saturday night, Thursday night. I'm sorry. Yeah, we can't move past this without me mentioning about juice. It seems like when he shoots, we talk about how high the arc is on his shot, but (laughs) those first few, like, barely touched the net it it looked like uh it was very Steph Curry-esque um and then one play that stuck out to me that he made in the second half was in transition he made this no look pass that was just beautiful and Sawyer was sitting by me and I I was just raving over that play um just something that we have not seen from him previously and just seeing him go out there make the right play instead of getting in a hurry and, and trying to do too much. He attacks when he needs to attack and he defers and, and passes the ball when he needs to and not turning, not, not turning over the ball is, uh, is really something that you have to have out of a point guard. And he has just stepped up immensely this year. Yeah. He had one turnover Thursday night. Extremely impressive. Had a plus minus of 30 highest in the game and ends up with 26 points on uh, 9 of 15 shooting and 6 of 10 from the three-point line. Also, another point we talked about getting into conference play is how we wanted KJ to kind of get his mojo back and get going. And, and I think that's something maybe kind of started off a little slow, but finally hit a couple three-pointers, ends the game with 21 points, 11 rebounds. That's two guys. DJ Burns also had 10 rebounds, one point away from a double-double. But uh, – they're, they were not known for their inside presence and, and definitely took advantage of that as KJ was able to get some easy buckets around the basket. And once uh, he kind of got that in the rhythm, took some three-pointers and, and hit two out, of, two out of three on the night. 
Yeah, and that was in limited minutes as well. He was he went down again. I had to miss a little bit of time, and still was able to put up quality numbers um, for another night. Just touching right back real quick on Juice um, before we talk about the bigs. Um, something that I think that Logan that you mentioned that I hadn't really thought about until you mentioned it just now um, is how under control he plays. Also, like you said, no turnovers, but how he plays with plays with such great pace of play. And I think that. You know he he tried to force so much last year, and now he's 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 got he's got it all figured out. Do you think that we're seeing that with Trey now, as to where he's pushing it? He's 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 playing great in transition. He's causing a lot of he's getting to the free throw line. He's making great plays. But do you think that you know next year, the year after that, once Trey gets it figured out, oh, whoa, watch out! I mean, uh, the type of player he will be might be off the charts. Trey definitely had a good game the other night with 15 points. Still a little high. In the turnover column with three, I think uh, that that tied with Tevin Brown for the team high. But you you start to see Trey putting it together, and like you said, that that's his biggest weakness, and something we we've, we've talked about offline with between the three of us, and maybe we have said it on this podcast. I'm not sure, but uh, it, it if he can get that ball handling. He's going to be very dangerous going forward. Also, the three-point shooting, but that's not something he has to do this year. There's enough three-point shooters on this team that Trey can be the guy who drives to create space. Uh, But in a situation where Juice might pick up two early fouls, I think if we could see more growth in the season of Trey being able to handle the ball reliably and not turn it over, I think he's a decent ball handler. But he's not a guy just yet that in the last, you know, five minutes of a game, we we want him facing a, a pressure of a length team. It's it's going to kind of be hard for, for myself, at least, to to reset my mind when we're playing these CMOs and, and Edwardsvilles and Eastern Illinois types that they're not Chattanooga. They're not Middle Tennessee. They're not Auburn. We don't necessarily have to be exactly perfect like we were in those games and I think that's going to give opportunities for Trey to grow and maybe get build confidence uh handling the ball a little bit so uh Trey he was six for six for eight from the field had a couple monster dunks in the first half uh, some really great highlight plays and that's I think what he brings against against the OVC this season uh Logan, I'll let you talk on Trey a little bit, and then I want to come back and mention another player. No, I I think uh, you took every talking point that I was going to have. You explained it pretty well. Um, to Sawyer's question, I don't necessarily expect Trey to have as big of a jump next year as what Juice had this year, um, just because those that that improvement doesn't happen very often. And so I, I wouldn't expect him to go from being a, a bench player, or a role player to being a star on the team that like when he goes out, we're we're a totally different team. And if we lose KJ and Tevin next year, he will have to step up and be in that role. So it'll be noticeable when he's off the court. But um, but I don't necessarily think so. You can kind of tell last year that even though he was missing shots, there was potential there with juice to where he looked comfortable shooting the ball trade. Doesn't um, being completely honest. We saw him have a wide open three uh, recently and, and he just stepped two feet inside the line to shoot the ball. Um, so 
uh, long off season. Hopefully he can uh, work on those things because those are things that can be fixed. It just takes time in the gym and um, things that hopefully our coaching staff just make sure to get in there with him um, frequently and, and work those kinks out. So I want to mention Tevin real quick before we move on. He's we've got to talk about him. He he goes for 17, a very quiet first half. But, you know, as a team player, he is he didn't have to do it when you've got a guy putting up 20, uh, 26 or whatever <laughs> uh, juice had in the first half. But ends up hitting three three pointers that puts him at 294 for the year, 10 away from Cannon and 25 away from the OVC record. So still knocking down that record. A guy that I wanted to talk about, fellas, is uh, you know someone we haven't really seen much in the non-conference. And uh, we're, well, before the announcement today, which we'll get into later, we were going to go back to visit his, his home school uh, this week, but we'll get into that here in a few minutes. But a uh, guy plays 19 minutes Thursday night, and – I thought made an impact on the game. I had eight points and three for three from the field with a very athletic dunk, but also grabbed seven rebounds. And that's Jordan Skipper Brown. Uh, and, and I'd kind of said, well, texted you guys and was like, wow, we're, you know, Jordan Skipper Brown getting a lot of minutes. I think Sawyer or Logan, you said, you know, he's going to be able to flourish in the OVC because that's where his playing style fits. And I wanted to get your guys take on that. Um, Sawyer to kind of expand on that. Uh, text message yeah I think that I think that was Logan's point he made a great point about that um, I, I, I agree 100% with him uh, you know like you said Austin like you said uh, uh, either last week or the week before it's just going to take him a little bit get to get used to Coach McMahon's system um, but when I think you see him playing against these other OVC teams we know what he was capable of um, if I recall correctly back from the first episode when we second, the first episode we talked about the roster like the last eight games of the season um the um, Skipper Brown was averaging like 19.2 points per game and 8.9 rebounds a game, all against OVC competition. So, and that was in limited minutes as well. So, if you see that, what he's going to get now in a racer uniform, his minutes may not be as much, but we can, I think it's totally fair for us to expect to see similar results from here forward. Um, I don't think that SEMO's bigs are all conference level, um, but. There's going to be a lot of teams that are heavy guard laden and their bigs aren't going to be any better than SEMO. So I think that Austin, you made a great point. I think that we're totally uh, ready to see the production production from Skip go through the ceiling. Yeah, during the game, um, I didn't really notice that Skip actually had that good of a game. Um, but afterwards, one of our listeners, Mike Gabby, tweeted at us and, and pointed out how impactful he was in the 19 minutes he played and uh, saw where he scored eight points and got seven rebounds. Um, and a few weeks ago, we talked about how it seemed like there was a game where he kind of lost his powers. He had no energy and really like my dad was uh, sitting there watching the game and he asked if he was sick and that's kind of how he was playing. Um, but just not very energetic and, and uh, it was very evident on the court. But last Saturday, it seemed like he had that, uh, that jolt back. He obviously had that big dunk and he, he was more of who we thought we were getting out of Jordan Skipper Brown. So hope he continues that um, through March and, and cause we're going to need him um, with the way the game's called now. 
our big guys are going to get into foul trouble, especially when you play these teams that, that play through the low post. So he's going to have to play big minutes. So uh, hope he steps up when his name's called and, and continues to play well. Logan, speaking of the low post, uh, we've, we've got to look at our, our baby stat, points in the paint. That was uh, one that the racers just absolutely dominated. Sawyer, that's, how's the patent coming on the baby stat? And, and let the listeners know how the racers did. I'm expecting that uh, the FedEx with all the credentials in the mail any day now. Um, so be on the lookout for that. We'll tweet that out. Um, but definitely, the racers, like you said, Austin, blew them out. 46 to 22, more than doubled up. We'll double them up um, in, in points in the paint. And that's saying a lot. They scored 81 points. So, I mean, that's 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 pretty pretty good. Um, if they're only scoring 22 of those points in the paint, that's great for us. That shows that we're going to be able to, if we can protect the paint. I know Kenny said last week about putting, uh, putting a fence around KJ, making him score four buckets inside the post before he stepped out. Well, our bigs are putting a fence around the paint on the other side of the floor, um, on the defensive side. And I really encourage you to see that. If we keep winning that stat, there's nobody who's going to beat us. So uh, really encouraged for that. I think that's going to be a trend that we continue to see that will tr- uh, trend in the racer's direction for the remainder of the season. Well, with that, fellas, that, let's wrap up that uh, our first OVC game of the year. Uh, racers, like we said, win 106-81, to 81, an absolute uh, absolute domination of, of the South of southeast missouri and, and we were all fired up ready to go back on saturday night tennessee tech coming to the bank and that didn't happen so we move on all right we're ready to be fired up we're going to eastern illinois thursday night and that's not happening so obviously covid has impacted college basketball as a whole definitely has impacted the ovc and the racer specifically it's going to be uh, over a week before the racers play again and i don't it's going to be interesting them coming back i know they're going to be fired up ready to go but you know when you when you rest for that long that's uh you just don't know what you're going to get and and with that that's going to kind of put the racers in a you know in a bundle playing six games in two weeks but um they're going to uh that that tennessee tech game was moved to january 24th and then that Eastern Illinois game that was supposed to be this Thursday night is being moved to Monday, January 17th. So uh, it, it's affecting everyone, uh, affecting the racers. And, and it's just, guys, it's unfortunate that we're having to deal with it again. And you see a lot of conferences are, are changing policies and stuff. Uh, to, to be completely honest, I, uh, I didn't even know what the OVC policy is. I think kind of the new norm is if you have seven players and at least one coach, you have to play the game. And so I was like, guys, I wonder what the, cause I was going to talk about it on the podcast, what the OVC policy is. And so uh, I pull up my, my iPad and i go to OVC sports.com, I think, or OVC something.com. And the webpage didn't even load. So uh, that, that tells me all we need to know about the OVC. And so I wouldn't even be able to find, find the policy so unfortunately i would not be able to report that on the podcast oh man i I hate to hear that but you know from eastern illinois side i think that's probably um it's not a blessing the game couldn't be played but at least they have to play the racers right now because uh just quickly we'll dive into them when we know we're actually going to play them their net rating right now is 354 out of 358 um that's really really bad 
the stat, the stats, the stats are boring. We talk about stats all the time, but this one I thought was really funny. Um, they're averaging 56.7 points per game. So 56.7 for reference. Tevin, Tevin is averaging 9.2. KJ is averaging 16.5. Juice is averaging 12.9. Trey is averaging 10.4. Those four guys, Tevin, KJ, Juice, and Trey, are averaging 59 points per game between the four of them. So, in theory, we could play them four on five, and the racers would actually be spotting them 2.3 points per game. So, um, really, really interesting. Um, really thought that was really funny. Um, but we'll get a chance to, to play them down the road. Um, really, Austin, to, to, to dive off what you mentioned, um, really disappointed that, that this is happening again. Um, I really hope that we can get this up, get this cleaned up really quickly because I, I really don't want them to make any more contingencies as to having to fit more games into less days. Um, it's going to put a lot of strain on a lot of people, not just the athletes, but the, all, all the athletic departments. Um, so hopefully we can get this cleaned up sooner rather than later. So then moving on, Lord willing, and the, and the creek doesn't rise, as they say in Western Kentucky. We've got this Saturday, the racers making the trip up to Edwardsville, Illinois. That's going to be Saturday the 8th at 3 p.m. to take on the SIUE Cougars. Uh, the Cougars are not the most flashy team in the league. They're they're 7-6, and six, but they are led by a pretty solid red shirt freshman, uh, Rayshon Taylor. Out of Collinsville, Illinois. Collinsville's maybe 10 minutes down the road from Edwardsville. Uh, very good talent. Tore his ACL in the summer of 2020, so redshirted last year. And, and this year has come out and, and played very, very well. Probably going to have a shot at OVC Freshman of the Year, I would say, up against the Will Richards from Belmont. But averaging 17.3 points per game and, and really just makes their team go and uh, – other than that, guys, they they're they're not a. I mean, they haven't really beat anybody. They beat who they needed to beat pretty much. Don't have any wins that are out of the blue. Uh, don't average a ton of points per game, like you said, under 70. Uh, and should be another. You never know when you go on the road during conference play, but uh, just looking at the game straight up should be another blowout win for the racers. Yeah, you would think so. To be completely honest, I know we're supposed to be covering um, the OVC here a little bit, uh, and I'm not trying to act like my time's precious or anything, but I've definitely not sat down to watch the Edwardsville team play. Um, looking at their schedule, it like you said, they, they've had a couple losses against big schools that, that aren't bad, um, but there's nothing on there that, that screams upset to me. And looking down through their roster, it seems pretty thin. This is a game that I look for KJ to get back on track and really feast down low. Yeah, I agree with you there. Just looking at the stats for them, the only one big thing that jumps out, they're 350th in the country in three-point shooting. Uh, if we get a lead on them early, it's going to be really tough for them to come back. Um, I think that our guards are better. I think it's going to be a great test. You know, Rashawn Taylor, like you said, Austin, he is an all all conference level player, especially you know a contender for OVC Player of the Year or OVC Freshman of the Year. Um, I think the best best part about them in the limited film that I've seen on him is he plays with a great pace of play, kind of like Juice. Um, you know, Jaw is kind of twitchy and can start and stop on a dime and go. Rashawn Rashawn Taylor's got a little bit of that in his game, which makes him tricky to guard. Um, Blakely had a great breakdown. Um, they only have four Division One wins. They're just kind of yawners. Um, I think they're a middle middle tier OBC team. 
Um, I think they're going to win some games in the OVC. I don't think they're going to knock off uh, us or Belmont. Um, but I think that, you know, behind Taylor, they have a chance to win some, win more games than, than I think that they were heralded to start the season. Yeah, and currently they are the – well, I don't want to say currently. I haven't looked at the net in about a week. But in the last time I looked at it, they were the fourth team behind the big three. And I guess we can kind of coin that this year and use that. Um, us, Belmont, and Moorhead, we can just call ourselves the big three in the OVC. Who's number four in the net? It's going to be SIU Edwardsville, which is surprisingly surprising enough. But I think it's because they've they played some of those bigger teams, Marquette, Creighton, you know, teams like that. But uh, I, they're dangerous because a kid like Rayshon could go off and score 30, but they're going to need a lot of help. And and kind of like Simo, I just don't think they have the talent to pull the upset this weekend. Assuming they play, they have not played since December 21st. So. Um, that's another thing going for them. They don't. They put, had three games in a row postponed, and they've got this Thursday postponed as well. I think they were playing. Uh, please Belmont. hold, Belmont. And so that game is is postponed as well. And no, they were going to play Austin P this Thursday. They had Belmont postponed that's last good. Thursday. Yeah, yeah. So they were the Austin P game's already postponed, and so. Who knows what happens Saturday for the racers, but uh, I, for one, hope they play because I have tickets to the game <laughs> up here in Edwardsville. And so I, for one, hope they play. Yeah, I know there's a lot of Racer Nation wants to wants to make this game happen. Uh, another one of our good friends, Stephen Carmen, he's going to be in attendance as well. So uh, I know a lot of Racer Nation from St. Louis um, and the Illinois side loves to make that game. Uh, so I really hope that they're able to make that happen. It's at a great time too. What three o'clock in the afternoon? So a great a great trip even for racer fans. You know you can leave around eleven and uh, be home. You know at a reasonable hour. Um, so really hope that this one can can be played on set on Saturday. I have a lot to say about Edwardsville, but uh, I think like we said, that's going to be a game. If the racers go out and take care of business, it should be probably another game. The line's fifteen plus, and the racers should have hopefully no problem covering. Then after that, just looking forward, they're going to have the next week. Racers are at home against Tennessee State on Thursday, and then the big one on the road at Belmont on the 15th. So next week's podcast should be a good one preview of that Belmont game. I know I'm already excited about that one. All right, and as we move on from that game action, uh, you know we've had a little movement in the roster over the last couple of days. So, Logan, uh, why don't you fill us in on, uh, on, on that? Yeah, so it was reported uh, this past week that the forward that we got from Olney College, uh, Elijah Farr, is going to transfer. Um, no pun intended, but I think he was sitting far down the bench anyways with how <laughs> DJ Burns and um, Nick McMullen have been playing. And, and if Jordan Skipper Brown keeps playing like that, he probably wouldn't see too many minutes. But uh, we heard that he had a concussion and had been struggling with that. And so we wish him the best and hopefully he finds a, a place back home. Uh, I, I think that's where he was going back home for personal reasons. He said that um, hopefully he finds a, a spot back home where he's uh, he fits and and can uh, play basketball again. Yeah. Another uh, Juco All-American um, that was coming to Murray State. Uh, so I, you know, I think that he's a guy who will be looked at by a lot of different schools as a potential option. Uh, he took a strange route to get to Murray state, started off playing, you know, college football, 
and then it goes to Juco for basketball. Um, and so nothing but the best. We wish him the best. Once a racer, always a racer. Uh, and we'll follow him and, and hope he has wonderful success uh, wherever his next stop may be. Yeah, definitely. And uh, something to look forward to next season. That's going to open up another scholarship that we did not think we were going to have. So uh, just keep that. All you racer fans, keep that in the back of your head. All right, moving right along. A segment that it's been a, I don't know, maybe a month or so since we've broke, broken this out. But uh, you guys remember back to earlier in the in the season, uh, we, we went and talked about the Morant Minute. So it's going to be longer than a minute, I can promise you that. But we love alliteration here on this podcast. And let's turn it over to our resident Grizzly season ticket holder who is basking in his glory of all the money he's made over uh, – these great, uh, great John Moran performances. So, you know, Jaw got hurt with his knee, had the bout with COVID, all that stuff, and then took him a couple games. But Sawyer, since then, what has our boy John Moran done? Well, I'm glad that you asked, Austin. Uh, he's just gone out and done something that's never been done in, in Grizzlies franchise history. Uh, he actually was the first player. I'm sure everyone's already already heard this, but in case you haven't, uh, he's the first player in Grizzlies history to put up back-to-back-to-back Back to back to back to back, 30 point performances. The um, first time in, in Grizzly history, which is huge. Um, he's just been playing out of his mind tonight. Uh, again, he didn't put up thir- didn't put up 30 again tonight. But um, I was watching when we started the podcast. The Grizzlies were down. Uh, we're, we're tied 104-104. He takes it the length of the court, gets fouled, doesn't get called, hits the free, hits hits a layup. Uh, puts him up two, comes down, gets a steal, goes all the way, gets fouled again, lays it up and in. They're up by four, seals the deal. He's doing everything, making all the winning plays. Um, and, and guys, he he over the last week he's knocked off Kevin Durant, James Harden, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and in all of those games he's looked like the best player on the court every single night. <laughs> I mean. As a racer fan, this is like things that we dreamed about as growing up as kids, is having a racer just in the NBA. And right now we have a racer who's the face of the NBA. And the way things are trending, you know, the closer and closer we get to the All-Star game and the way that he's playing is just going to grow his chances to start the All-Star game. So I hope that all of Racer Nation has that one week in February cleared out because um, we got a chance to watch, you know, our guy, in the all in an NBA All Star game, that's just absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um, he's he he's a, being a leader on and off the court. Um, I think the issue with the Grizzlies earlier this year, outside of their um, defensive numbers were pretty low, was that they everyone has found their role, and that par- parallels quite quite perfectly with the racer team we have here. Um, is is players playing to their roles, playing to their strengths, and uh, if you if, if you're a basketball Benny, um, you've got to watch the Grizzlies as well because they are also a, a, a fun joy to watch. Um, guys, you guys have been able to take it in. I, I'm invested in it a lot, so I'm really excited about it. But from your guys' perspective, you know, how proud are you of Ja and what he's doing? Yeah, it, it's hard not to love the kid. He seems to be universally liked. Um, usually, when somebody gets to that star power, they get haters in some sense, but but everybody seems to love John and want the best for him. Um, to be honest, before the season, uh, I got to arguing with one of my good friends about whether or not he was a top five point guard. And I took the stance that he was not because 
Um, you've got Chris Paul, you've got Damian Willard, Kyrie, Steph Curry, all these fantastic basketball players. And that's not a knock on jaw um, being 22, 23 years old, saying he's not better than the best basketball players in the world. But the way he's been playing um, this season and more recently, uh, it, he's making me eat my words. Um, he's definitely in line to be an all star. He's got his team to fourth in the Western Conference and just super happy for the kid, uh, happy that he stayed healthy and he's had the success that he's had this year. Um, a Christmas present that I got for my girlfriend was a trip to Memphis and Sawyer hooked us up with some tickets. So really looking forward to going to watch Jaw here in about a week and a half. Um, thankfully, him and Luka Doncic got covid prior to uh this little stretch so they're they're cleared and and ready to go and hopefully uh everything works out to where nobody sits but super excited to get to see him in person for the first time since i believe the the murray game where they played the cleveland cavaliers a, a couple of years ago so really excited to see jaw and, and wish the best for him yeah i mean i think that the conversation in the nba over the past few years was you know your point guard can't be someone who can't shoot and score and be dynamic. It's got to be someone who, or it has to be that person. You can't have just a pass first type of guy. And you know, that was kind of Jaws bill coming out of college. Cause his shot looked a little funny. His numbers were fine, but it just looked a little funny. He didn't know how it was going to translate to the NBA. And he comes out and he does everything. He's getting rebounds and pushing it up the floor. He's getting steals. He's getting a, he's getting assists. He's scoring, you know, in great numbers and he's not forcing anything he's not ever taking hardly any bad shots and uh, I think it's just so much fun to watch it's finally time that all these NBA insiders are getting on board and uh, you know the future is bright like you said he's only 22 years old you guys know me I'm a numbers guy so let me back you up right there Sawyer averaging 25.1 points per game 6.7 assists 5.7 rebounds shooting 49.2 percent from the field and what was the one thing everybody said he can't shoot the three. He can't shoot the three. What's he doing? He's shooting over. Yeah, yeah. Logan, you said it. He's shooting forty. He's shooting over forty percent from three so far this year. So, uh, and, well, and shut, year the, shut the haters up. Last year he shot thirty percent. And so, in the off season, I the my argument for him not being a top five player was he's not knocking down free throws, even at the clip he was in college. Uh, he was turning the ball over a lot. His defense wasn't that good, and he was missing threes. I mean, he was a below-average three-point shooter, and he has improved every single one of those aspects of his game. Yeah, you talk about you know knocking down threes. He's he's actually hit more than he's hit double-digit threes in more games than not for the Grizzlies this year, and that's something that I don't think anyone would have uh, would have bet on before the season started. So, uh, you know, Jaws playing hey. playing so great. Yeah. Double double digit threes. I'm sorry. Mo- I'm sorry. Multiple threes. More than one three per okay, game. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Not to say. Threes. I didn't know he's playing that well. <laughs> no. No. Multiple threes per game, which is, um, you know, there's only a handful of guys in the NBA who even do that, uh, anyway. So, uh, most of them are playing the two position. So, um, it's just been fantastic the the season he's putting together. And you know, there's been two straight road games where they've chanted MVP. MVP while he's shooting free throws. So that just sends chills down your spine. And uh, we, like we said, couldn't have happened to a better person. Um, and we're so glad that he was a former racer. 
So obviously he and Juice Hill went to the uh, the same workouts this summer because both of them have improved exponentially at the point guard position. So uh, like we said, it's not the Morant minute. It's probably about the Morant 10 minutes. But uh, when you've got a former racer playing like that, it's definitely worth talking about. And, and also shout out to Shaq Buchanan, who uh, got the call up with COVID stuff and uh, got his first points in the NBA. Really, really cool. Really cool. Okay, guys, let's uh, keep it rolling uh, as we want to fill this episode up with as much content as we can uh, and talk about some cool stuff. So we we had a really we have a really great sauce selection picked out, and it was kind of based around our trip to Eastern Illinois this week. And although the the COVID bugs got in our way, we're gonna we're just gonna push right through it. So uh, Sawyer, gonna turn it over to you to uh, kind of build up and introduce this week's sauce selection. Yeah, thank you guys for just letting me be creative in my uh, racer creativity and coming up with these crazy ideas for questions. And, you know, if you're listening out there and you have a crazy one for us, too, uh, feel free to DM us. We'd love to, to talk about yours on the on the podcast as well. But this week's um, is looking back through all of racer basketball history. Who is one player from an opposing OBC school that you wish wore or could wear now with this team? a racer uniform. So uh, a player that you would like to steal um, from an opposing team um, in the past or someone who's out there now, uh, either to put on our team now or to put on a team um, that we had in the past. So uh, we'll go through the same way we kind of picked in the, in the group message. I always let you guys pick first. I haven't told you who I've picked, um, but we'll start with, we'll start with Logan. Uh, who would you have as uh, a racer that you would steal uh, from an OVC school? Yeah, for me, I was uh, between a few guys, and one that I threw out to you guys uh, kind of as a joke um, was Tyler Laser uh, because he was such a good free throw shooter. But um, my pick would be Kenneth Fareed, uh, the manimal. He was just truly a beast in the OVC. I remember um, watching him play in the OVC championship game against, I believe, Austin P. Uh, when it was yep. at Bridgestone and my dad was sitting there and said, how in the world did he end up at Moorhead state? And that was just the player he was from the time he got there. You could tell he was special. And um, Sawyer, you just threw a little wrinkle in this for when a player that could be on this year's team as well. I think he would fit this year's team uh, just fine. But the year that, uh, I would want him on the racer team was our 09-010 season um, where we just got beat by Butler, um, you know, that game. We needed a little bit of a boost. We shot 5 of 12 from the, the free throw line, which Tyler Laser probably could have helped out on. But uh, we also turned the ball over 18 times. Would have been nice to have a little bit extra scoring. And I think if we would have won that game, we had a, a real easy path to winning the national championship and could have hung a different kind of banner in the, the uh, CFSB center. So um, that's the that's my pick for this week's sauce selection. Yeah, you think about that matchup for sure. Um, you know, that Butler team had um, Howard, who was a great big man who who battled up against our bigs. And I think that, you know, Fareed would probably have win the matchup, uh, those two head to head. You're looking at Kenan Fareed, two-time OVC player of the year three-time OVC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and he's the, in the modern era, he's the NCAA all-time rebounding leader. Um, so definitely somebody who 
who I think we could who who would don the, the, the navy and gold to look great. It's eighteenth in OVC in points, fourth all time in blocks, seventh all times in steals. There's no way better to describe him than Manimal, like you said. So um would definitely be a have been a fun person to watch if he was a racer. Man, he, he was just so good every time he came to town or we went up there, made it very difficult for us. And you know, Moorhead's got a they can get some good guys. I mean, they've got Janai Broom now, but you know, we talk about how good he is and, and how good he was last year, but nothing like Kenneth Farid was. That guy was just a different, different manable, as you said, down in the post. And uh, he knows had a very long career in the NBA, and which has been very impressive to see and made impact on championship teams. And uh, just and I got to see him when he was in Houston there for a little bit. And that was kind of cool. But uh, just, yeah. I would definitely take him in a Murray State uniform. And you you think back of like coaches and players that like they were perfect pairs in the past. Kenneth Fareed, Donnie Tyndall, perfect combo. <laughs> yeah, uh, could that's, not, that's uh, there's not a better combo than than those two. Um, he played back in what 0708. So this was pre high school for Austin Logan and I. And um, I remember before a game one time. Um, it was either me or one of my friends. I don't want to say if it was me or not because it probably was me. Um, that uh, would go and do a lot of research in our in my trash talking. Um, so on the on the Moorhead website, it would tell the players' bios and it would give their mom and dad's name. And sometimes <laughs> I'd eat those and uh, yell them at the player. He gave me a special uh, special hand gesture before a game one time. Um, that I'll always remember. Um, but uh, yeah, we took the trash talking pretty seriously back in the day. Um, thankfully, grew out of that a long time ago. But uh, always remember that for Kenneth Free. Thank you for um, the bird. All right, Austin. Um, dying to hear who yours would be. Um, there's so many great options out there. Um, but I know that you've got a special guy picked out. All right, guys. This this is a player who was absolutely on a different level when he played in the OVC. The six three guard. That played at UT Martin from 2007 to 2009. None other. Two-time OVC Player of the Year, Lester Hudson. This man did everything for UT Martin. And talk about one player who elevated the whole team. He took UT Martin from the bottom all the way to the top. And during those two seasons, he averaged... 26 points per game. This is over a two-season. 26.6 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, 4.4 assists, shot 45% from the field, 37 from three, 85 from the free throw line. And I'll just go ahead and start reading these stats off. 07-08 in field goals, 291, first in the OVC. The very next year, 313 field goals, first in the OVC. Led the league both years in field goal attempts. Three-point field goals, 07-08, 124, first in the OVC. That is 124 three-pointers made. Tevin Brown has not even touched that. The single-season record is around, I think, 90. Didn't sip, didn't sip hit 90-something or right around 100, something like that. So... There you go, 124, 106 the next year. Obviously led the league in field goal attempts as well. 
uh, let's see, led the league in steals both years, had 94 steals in one year. Shaq Buchanan, his senior year, had 54, if that kind of puts that in perspective. So nearly double that. Obviously led the league in points, 847. His first year, 880. His second year, uh, that's 25.7 points per game and 27.5 points per game. Like I said, uh, 2.8 steals per game. Just absolutely dominated every single offensive category in the OVC. And I was trying to think. I didn't mismatch teams kind of like what you did, Logan. And that's that's one reason I kind of keyed in on him is if I could take those two years between uh, 07 and 09 and just transfer him to the racers. Those are two years that were kind of mediocre for the racers. We didn't absolutely just blow it out of the gym like we did you know, the next year in 09 or yeah, 09, 010. So if you were to take him and put him on a team with Ivan Aska, uh, the second year would have had BJ Jenkins and Isaac Miles. And, uh, you know, right before you led into an Isaiah Cannon era, talk about some domination of the racers in the OVC. We would have won probably four out of five OVC championships and been in the NCAA tournament. So you take a guy like that, who is from Memphis, went to a small community college, and then transferred to UT Martin, uh, put him on the racers, would have been pretty incredible. Uh, he was picked in the second round, 58th overall from the uh, by the Boston Celtics, and gone on to have a really, really great professional career. Uh, he's 37 years old now and still playing in the Chinese Basketball Association, which that's good basketball um, right below the G League, right below, right there with the Euro League. Very, Is very that where Cannon's playing? Yep. Can, uh, yeah, I believe so. And that's where campaign went too for a short stint over, over in China. And he is currently the leading scorer in CBA history. His team just won the championship last year where he was the finals MVP. And he is a two-time MVP of the league back in 2014 and 2015. So uh, really has parlayed his success at UT Martin to a great professional career and, you know, had a lot of really great games against the racers and uh, obviously against everybody. So just a guy who could fill up the stat sheet and would have been really cool to see in a racer uniform. Yeah. Lester was super, super talented, obviously. And it's uh, not easy, but, um, when you have 96 steals in a season, it also helps when you have a quadruple double, but one of those stats is steals. Um, but th- my, my, uh, most profound memory of Lester Hudson was when he was playing at, uh, Murray state and I look over and David pointer is just jawing at him and they're going back and forth and, and Lester's mouthing back at him. And I was just thinking, David, please, not this guy. Pick anybody else on the team, <laughs> just not this guy. We don't want to make him mad because he was just that good. He can turn it on. And and like you said, he got a lot of points through volume, but uh, he could just fill it up once he got going. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I had that written down, but that quadruple double is the he's the only player in NCAA basketball history to record a quadruple double with 25 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists and 10 steals. And uh, yeah, he, he had a, just in his first year, had a triple double, eight double doubles, 
scored over 30 11 times and uh yeah thank you for mentioning that quadruple double that's uh i meant to meant to say that i just got too caught up in in talking about how great a uh, player he was at ut martin yeah, for Le- for Lester Hudson, you think about him as being the guy who had the ultimate green light. I mean, he could do whatever he wanted, pull up from anywhere, uh, do whatever he wanted. Uh, kind of a player uh, that was a little bit before his time. You know, we see that a lot nowadays um, <clears throat> in college basketball, but uh, was able to to do that at UT Martin and kind of uh, paved the way for success for other guys in the future. Um, guys like Parker Stewart, guys like that, who I kind of uh, remember as being kind of similar to him. Um, so definitely... Uh, a guy who would have been an awesome racer. Okay, so for me, um, I was looking through, and uh, Kenneth Free would have been my pick, you know, number one. He was just an absolute beast. And I was thinking about it from this year's team, and he would be an awesome uh, guy to have. Um, if you Like, think about it. If you would have had him starting and then have DJ Burns off the bench, whoa, that's a, that's a fantastic one-two punch. And he commands so much. There would be no defensive rebounds to be had between Fareed no. and DJ Burns. They would get every offensive rebound. <laughs> yeah, I think the other teams would have to just play like a zone or something just to like force everyone inside to just pray for a, a defensive rebound. Um, so that would have been really fun. Um, but some other guys who I kind of looked at, I went back and was thinking about guys. Some guy that I don't, a person that I think you guys probably forgot about because it was so new. What about Wendell Green Jr., the guy we just played last week um, for oh, Eastern yeah, Kentucky last yeah. year? Um, he would have been a he would have been obviously an awesome addition to our team this year. Um, but some guys who I thought would be great for this year, they were kind of unsung heroes. Before I get to the guy that I've picked, um, actually I'll back that up. I'm going to go back and think about people who I just came to mind as people who I thought would be who were great players in the past, and just kind of talk about them. And you know, we're trying to to burn a little time here and just reminisce on some of these guys, but. You look at Nick Mayo from EKU, obviously a sensational talent. I didn't realize he averaged 24 points a game and nine, re- nine rebounds a game his senior year. And yeah. um, with him and then also Lester Hudson and then also Terry Taylor, you know, uh, a guy who is um, the all-time leading scorer or close to it um, in OVC, OVC history. I don't think he is. He was close. Um, and uh, another guy who was OVC player of the year a couple of times. He was always OVC preseason player of the year. We knew that. <laughs> too well um but you look at both of those guys or all three of those guys and they were great players none of them ever played in an OBC championship not one of them played in the championship and nick mayo never even played in an ncaa tournament his teams never yeah. finished in the top eight um which is just so bizarre um definitely if he played in today's game he would not be sticking around at eku he would be tr- transferring um but then some other guys that, who I thought Nick, Nick Mayo was he was going to be my pick. Just how that mid range game he had was so so good. Uh, I I really appreciated watching him play because that's he kind of did it like no one else did. But your 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 stat on not never playing in an OVC championship or tournament uh, that he's not a winner. So I don't really want him on on the racers team. And and Terry Taylor is a very good one as well. I think you know. Murray State's probably kicking themselves for not ever, you know, offering them. But, you know, Western's the one who's really kicking themselves because, uh, you know, for an undersized guy, just, man, he, he was really good. I don't think he ever – maybe one game, one or two games in four years did he really show up against the racers and have a big game. But, uh, you know, for four years, we actually did a pretty good job on on keeping him at bay for more times than not. But, uh, yeah, 
two-time OVC Player of the Year. Another guy, two-time OVC Player of the Year, Evan Brads. I don't know if you had him on on your list, but he's he's another guy that I think he kind of took advantage of, uh, you know, maybe not a ton of talent in the OVC at that time, but uh, still, nonetheless, there's only a handful of guys who have been two-time Player of the Years, and uh, you know, sorry, I I don't know. Hopefully, I don't steal your thunder. I'm I'm gonna go way way back. There's some players from the early years of the OVC that were really good. Talk about Clem Haskins from Western Kentucky. Three-time, the only three-time OVC player of the year. Uh, Very good from Campbellsville, Kentucky. He was a third overall pick by the Chicago Bulls uh, in 1967. Would have loved to have him on the racers. Talk about a guy that would probably have his jersey hung. And then another Western guy, Jim McDaniels, uh, played at Western. He's 6'11 from, you know, right there in Scottsville, which is essentially Bowling Green. Uh, Another NBA draft pick by the uh, Seattle Supersonics. But another guy who was a two-time OVC Player of the Year. So I was going to throw those way back. uh, But, man, guys, one player in all of history that is three-time Player of the Year. You know, obviously, if we had a couple guys to stick around longer than two years, we would have some three-time OVC Player of the Year, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I hate to recognize Western too much on this podcast, but those guys are very good. Yeah, if you would have let me finish, I would have mentioned both of those guys. You know, Jim McDaniel's a guy Gosh, who— uh, I told you, the- I'm sorry for stealing your <laughs> No, no, you're good. No, Jim, Jim McDaniel has a lot of pages. Um, he's featured in a lot of pages of the Racer uh, the Banner Years book. Uh, if you guys have a copy of that, some big-time matchups with the Racers back in the day. Um, up there in point score, but also rebounds um, and block shots in an era where um, rebounds were all oh, you could get a ton of rebounds. So uh, he, he was a big seven-footer who played um, for Western back in the day, but had some big-time battles with the Racers. Um, so some other guys who I think were fun. Um, a guy who I think Terry Taylor would be a great fit on this year's team. Another guy I think would be a great fit, um, which I, I really like this one too, uh, is Denzel Mahoney. Um, I like this because I hate SEMO, and I think that it's hilarious that the best player in their history of their school transferred after two years. That's hilarious. I think he would be he would be perfect on this team. He played inside, outside. Um, he got to the rack. Him and Rod Thomas, the goggle the goggle The goggle brothers. The strike fear the into the defense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you let Denzel Mahoney drop 30 on you, and then you bring in the, the walk-on. He gives you 10 points in five minutes. Man. That's enough to make coaches quit. I mean, it's just uh, that, that, that the, all, the combination of all that just is, is a guy who I thought would be good. He's not my pick. Um, let's continue on with down the trip down uh, memory lane. A guy I think – another good guy I think would be, would be fun for this year's team is Tajir McCall, a guy I know Logan and I really like from Tennessee State. A guy who sold out on defense, was a thief, um, got lots of steals. Um, we kind of play that Carter Collins role um, for for this team, uh, being a lockdown defender. Um, but also he had a pretty good uh, pretty good offensive game as well. Great links at 6'5". He had a little short stint um, with the NBA teams. I'm not sure where he's at now. I think he's with the 76ers a few years ago. Um, but a guy who I thought would be fun. Throwing it way back uh, to the first few Belmont teams that they had. Um a guy who I really was a fan of was um, Karan Johnson. I think that you put him on a team now, um, he would feel that that role that Carter Collins has as well. 
Another guy who I thought was a really great scorer was Corey Walden um, from EKU, a bigger guy that could play the three um, that would really benefit uh, this year's team. But I, so so that's all the that's all the the normal ones. I'm gonna get into some fun ones now. So hey, Sawyer. Yes, this, sure. Go ahead. Was this week saw selection picking teams or was it single players? <laughs> it was players, but y'all picked all the good ones, so I had to throw out the old ones for fun. To um, be honest, I thought you were gonna pick the uh, the guy that was one of your favorite players. He transferred to Kansas State, I believe, Patrick Muldoon. Nope, that's another that's another soft selection. You got to cut that out, Blakely. We'll, we'll talk about that one later because he's definitely getting mentioned. Um, so we'll get to the we'll get to the fun one. This is the one that I like the most. So we've got Juice. He's under six foot tall. He's our starting point guard. How awesome would it be if he could share the court with the player formerly known as Cornell Johnston, Terrell Lewis, out of Eastern Illinois? Two guys under six foot tall, under five, under five ten. Uh, how how fun would it be to have both of those guys <laughs> in the backcourt? Boniest kneecaps in OVC history <laughs> goes to Cornell Johnson or Terrell Lewis, whichever one he goes by now. He was a great player too. Uh, we had the, we had a lot of trouble against him, um, and I think that he would he would do okay for the Racers now. But I think it would just be fun to see him and Juice paired together. Um, so that's all I've got for that. My player that I would pick is the same player that I know. Dan Foster would pick, um, Kenny Roth would pick, and, and a lot of a lot of those guys. And now that I've mentioned it, I know you guys know who it is. The pride of Russellville, Kentucky, the 1997 OVC Player of the Year, Big Bubba Wells. Absolutely. I, That's a when great we were pick. talking, I didn't want to like give Austin P any props or, or name any of their players just because I can't stand them, but. One guy that I really do like from Austin P was Bubba Wells. He's always been super nice. And from what I heard, he was before uh, my time, but just a phenomenal basketball player that was really a load to deal with on any level of the court. Yeah. And, you know, now he's on, he, you know, if you're a racer fan, you're going to the game this weekend. He's on the staff at SIU Edwardsville. So uh, make sure you let him know that he was featured in this week's um, selection portion of the Racer Nation podcast. Cause I know he's dying to know that. Um, but a guy who was played the four um, would be another guy that would fit that Kenneth Fareed mold. Guys, he averaged 31.7 points per game his senior year and seven and a half rebounds a game. Um, and pairing that with, he was a, the 34th pick in the draft by the Mavericks played for a long time in the NBA um, and stealing him from Austin P. That was what, that's what I liked. I didn't want to give them a lot of credit, but stealing them, stealing him from them would, would be great. Um, so that was my pick. Uh, that was a really fun segment guys. You know, now that we're getting into it, you know, who are some other guys that stick out to you as, as other guys? I know that uh, Austin, your wheels were turning, uh, but I thought that was a fun one to, to discuss. And, and, you know, listeners out there, if you've got a good one that we didn't mention, let us know. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoy this week's Saw selection. Uh, you talk about Bubba Wells right there. It's, you know, the late 90s, mid to late 90s. That's the hey, was the heyday of Murray State basketball, just absolutely dominating the the Ohio Valley Conference. And, and you look around, uh, just 94, Marcus Brown wins player of the year. 95, Marcus repeats. Bubba Wells wins at 96. And then DT Mays wins it the next year. And I love it when you – the great players in OVC history that are not on the racers, they're always seem to be paired when the racers have uh, also really great players and really great teams. So it's really hard to 
you know, cherry pick one guy and bring him over because it's like, man, who would you trade? Uh, would you trade Bubba Wells for D.T. Mays or for Marcus Brown? No, no, you wouldn't. Uh, would you trade uh, Kenneth Freed for Isaiah Cannon? No, I don't think I would do that. And so it's really hard to just kind of go uh, tip for tat like that. But, um, you know, thinking about over all the years, that was – Wendell Green's a really good one. We watched him have an incredible performance tonight, uh, Auburn playing – uh, South Carolina he's he's really good he's going to be really good there and uh that that was a good call out but uh you know thinking thinking back and just looking at this list of OBC player of the years and and all conference lists and stuff like that it just uh it's really cool to see all the really great players we've had in the Murray State uniform uh, that we got to see absolutely that that yeah. was a far part for me cuz i know you guys were going to go with those top two guys so i went back and i was doing what you just did and it was just like man there's so many guys that I wish we I could have in a racer uniform like now that were on old teams that I would pick over all these guys, um, which was which was a lot which was really cool and really fun to see. Um, but yeah, it was it was really it was a really fun one. I know my dad, you know his his greatest con, uh, his greatest you know compliment to Bubba Wells was he was the OVC Charles Barkley, uh, and I always remember him saying that. And um, and you know I think it's really true. If you if you really if you really needed some racer basketball in you in your system with all the COVID games on on YouTube, there's the 1997 OVC basketball championship, Murray State versus Austin P, uh, where Bubba Wells faces off against that great racer team, Austin that you mentioned. And who else is on the call of that game? Jay Billis. So uh, really cool to see you know where he started and in, in, in there. So uh, it's easy to find if you want to go back and. If you're racer basketball geeks like all three of us, uh, and go and enjoy that this uh, over the next couple of weeks. Really great sauce selection, and uh, it was fun thinking about all the old players. And and like Sawyer said, we you know we we love to get the interaction on the internet, uh, and you guys have been so great about that. So please, uh, under the show tweet, uh, let us know who if if we missed somebody or somebody we talked about that you guys want to echo. Uh, we'd love to we'd love to read that. So speaking of interaction, uh, Logan, you have the most famous segment on the podcast. Logan's listener of the week. You know, it's going to be hard to top uh, last week with Kevin Saul. He's a you know powerful, powerful guy in racer athletics, obviously. But, uh, you know, New Year 2022. Let us know who's kicking off the new year. Yeah, this week I'm coming back with another powerful guy, a real sturdy fella, uh, <laughs> Seth Carter. Um, he was the big man. Yeah, let's clap it up for Seth. He was the the big man on Coach Roth's team um, when we were in middle school, and he was basically our enforcer. And you know, he's been telling me that he listens uh, to all the podcasts, and he was texting me. He was at the Memphis game, and uh, was getting rowdy down there amongst all the Tiger fans. And I appreciated him going down there and and showing his support. And, he uh, he texts me frequently and, and, you know, we really appreciate that when we hear from people that, that listen to the pod and say they enjoy it. So uh, thank you, Seth, for listening. And uh, I hope you uh, hope you enjoy your uh, 15 seconds of fame. Congratulations, Seth. Also want to give a big shout out to uh, Seth's mom, Miss Lou. Uh, who's also a big diehard listener. Um, she's mentioned to me many times that she listens and uh, was a was a was a great person to us all growing up as our uh, principal in middle school. So shout out to to Lou as well. Thank you, Miss Lou Shonda. 
All right, guys, we have uh, one more thing we wanted to discuss before we throw it out to you guys um, to, for our closing. Um, that being that uh, over the past weekend, Tevin Brown, one of three players in school history with over 1,500 points, 500 rebounds, and 350 assists. Guys, do you happen to know who the other two guys are um, who were able to do that? Um, uh, that were racers? I actually don't know. I, I saw the uh, the graphic that was put up, but I, I, it's blanking me now. But I'm going to go with a guy that I think, Logan, he may have been your hardest-playing player in the – Sawyer's hardest-playing player in the Saw selection. I'm going to guess Isaac Spencer, a guy who filled up the stat sheet. Logan, Logan who's your guess? Ooh, so many great players going through my mind right now. Um, I'm going to go with the listener of the podcast, Scott Sibbles. Guys, great guesses. I love it. Um, Austin, I'm glad that you listened to my report back on Isaac Spencer a long time ago. You're correct. Logan, um, I'm going to have to check the numbers, but I think that uh, Coach Sibbles just just missed um, getting a part of that uh, illustrious crew. Um, but the guy who did it um, was none other than Glenn Green. Um, Racer great. Back from the wow. – back in – Back in the late 70s, early 80s, um, actually played for Coach Green. Um, so there's probably some favoritism there. You know, he got a lot of minutes because they have the same last name. But uh, definitely a, a guy who uh, was – I had to go check had to go check this out with some other um, – some some racer historians today to see what kind of player he was. He's a huge point guard. Um, that's, why, that's why he scored so many points, got so many rebounds, had so many assists, but was paramount. Um, as we'll talk about in future episodes of changing the racer program um, to what it is today, uh, all on the backs of those guys, uh, Ron Green's group, uh, Glenn Green being one of them. Thanks, Glenn. Probably wouldn't be here without you. All right, Racer Nation, before we send you out, we had to give a plug for something that we're all looking forward to that airs this weekend, January the 8th uh, on WPSD. It's the Stay on Your Wall a uh, documentary that um, the, the sports production group over there has put together. Um, it's highlighting the 2009-2010 season, uh, a team that we highlighted a lot in this episode. Um, and so something that I know all of us are looking forward to, to getting to be able to see. Um, and, you know, like like I said, in a, in, a, in a season where we're having a lot of games being postponed, it's going to give us our racer fix to get us through. So um, just want to give everybody a reminder of that. I'm sure that you will see a lot more of that on social media over the next week. Um, just want to let everybody know that that's going to be out there for your uh, enjoyment um, and hope that everyone is able to enjoy. I'm actually super excited about that. You know, they've been posting the uh, promos and different interviews and stuff. So uh, I'm hoping, as I'm not in the area, to – to watch it on WPSD, uh, that it will be posted to the internet soon after, which I'm sure it will be. And, uh, you know, guys, I think it'd be cool maybe in the future, if we could get Bidwell on an episode to kind of talk about the process of putting something like that together. So obviously he, he had to, uh, had to collect a lot of interviews and go back and do a lot of footage. So it'd be kind of cool to see how, how they put that together. And I'm sure something like that's going to get them some, some recognition from a, from a higher level. Well, all right, everyone. We appreciate you listening. I know this uh, ended up being a long episode. It was kind of funny when we talked about it beforehand. We were like, oh, you know, not much going on this week. It's going to going to be a short episode. But here we are over an hour into it. But, you know, we really would like everyone to get involved with this all selection. That was a really cool topic. And it was awesome thinking about all those old players from the OVC and and how they would kind of fit in with the racer uniform. But please let us know 
let us know what what you guys think and and also you know with the with the impending news coming friday that uh that's really exciting stuff so if that does uh follow through be looking for a special episode over the weekend so guys with that thanks for listening this long and sawyer send them off good to be back go racers good to have you back go racers go racers